Welcome to the Blind Apex Podcast, where amateur club racers tune in to get faster. I'm your host, Con John Turk, and on this episode of the Blind Apex Podcast, we're going to talk about tire pressures and alignments. Joining me, rejoining me, I should say, is the NASA H2 National Champion for 2022, Jonathan Baker. Welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me on again. I appreciate it. Yeah, I. it was you or Darren. You guys are the only people I know that do the technique that I went through at Summit Point. And I went through the technique solely as the driver. I was blessed to have help. Um, Edgar and Jason were doing all the work while I just pulled into the pits and let turn the wheel. So I don't know exactly what happens. And I thought I've seen you jump out and do it on your own. So I figured you would know how to do it. So, yeah, I mean, I hate doing it myself, but that's why I'm probably the most notorious person for always having a crew. Um, so yeah, I assume you're alluding to doing, uh, tire temperature readings on the, uh, on the tires coming off the track, coming fresh off the track. Um, yeah, (laughs) maybe I'm jumping the gun, but how exactly do you, where do you stash your pyrometer, which would be one tool that you need and, or your pressure gauge? Uh, I don't know how safe it is, but I jam it next to my leg in the seat. Okay. I know if, if, if I have it, but I mean, that's rare. That's like on a test day where I, you know, I'm waiting for a crew member or something like that. Or, um, the other thing I've done is just leave it on the pit wall. Um, and just, you know, know exactly where it is. And then I jump out and grab it and start with the right front at that point. That's another way of doing it. Okay. Well, we're sort of ahead of the head of the game. So, uh, when I first started racing, when I first started going to the track, there were all these sort of rudimentary ways to make sure your alignment was okay or make sure your tire pressures were okay. You know, everybody looks at the little arrow on the side of the tire and go, if they're reaching you know, if the tire wear is coming all the way there, they seem seem to think they're doing okay. Um, or even putting your hand on the tire just to see if one spot's hotter than the other. Um, that's notoriously not accurate from what I've found. So, um, to, to me using the arrow on the side of the tire, you can either be very or too high of a pressure and you'll see it or too low and you'll see it because the sidewalls start buckling. Um, have you seen anybody else do anything weird or not at all? Really? Um, um, so, I mean, I have a lot of different friends that race, um, you know, the Toyos or the Hoosiers or, um, some other tires and, what I found interesting is no one seems to fully agree on the best way to compile tire data and know if you're maximizing it. Um, so yeah, I've, I've heard people 
referenced those marks before. Right. Um, other people don't find that they're helpful at all. Um, I kind of use them as more of like a limit case. So like if I, if I notice that I've rolled past that, uh, something probably is very wrong. Um, so like, yeah, that's more of like a, oh, the numbers are way off. So let me have a quick look at that. Oh yeah. Yeah. That kind of verifies like, oh yeah, the tires were way too low and we drove way too hard on them um, early in the session. And like, that's just what's going to happen. And then it probably faded away. You can even kind of read it. Like, was it doing it the whole session? Um, you know, does it like actually look like it was taking tread out of the side there or was it like, yeah, it swiped it for a couple corners and then it stopped. Yeah. Um, which is more what I've seen in the past of like, oh yeah, we launched the car with too low of a pressure. Um, and then on the warm up lap, I, I was probably leaning on it a little bit too hard and then scuffed it a couple times, but like, yeah, that's, that's going to happen. And then, you know, you, you go back to what matters. So, um, and then other guys, like, it's just interesting. Like, obviously we talked before about the subjects and I'm just thinking through all the things I've heard and realizing how all over the place, some very talented drivers across the country are, um, on how to determine if you're getting the most out of your tires or not. Yeah. You noted, um, Hoosiers, Toyos, it doesn't matter whether you're on, you know, Maxis or, you know, the Yokohamas or any of the super 200s, 200 treadwares. Um, I've tried to contact tire companies, even reps. Okay. For, at Hyperfest, they have reps, tire reps are everywhere. Right. And you go, right. I, I ask them what's, what's a good operating temperature for this tire? What's a good max pressure for this tire? Hot, you know, what should I be aiming for? And they're all over the place if they give you an answer. Yep. So, um, same thing. And and I think that's going to be true, uh, for everyone. It, it would be true. Maybe my max number and your max number for PSI isn't going to be exactly the same we run a similar tire. I'm on a 17. You're on a 15. I think you're on a 15 still. We've only been out once this year. Correct. So, yeah. Uh, you know, so there's lots of things to take into account. The process is the key, right? So to me, you have to, you have to sort of try to figure out what your max, your hot PSI is. What is your goal? You know, and then I think it to me, I'm very simple with my, my PSI. When I want to worry about the PSI for a tire, I let's say for my Toyos, I want to come off at like 37 PSI. If okay. I, if I'm not coming off at 37 or I'm above 37, I need to take some air pressure out and I need to, to remember it, write it down, whatever. And then, you know, all of that works per corner for me. So, um, I don't have any fancy gear, so I don't get down to half pressures, but I do go down to whole single pressures. So, um, is that sort of how you operate your, your max tire pressure? Um, so, I mean, it, 
it very so just an interesting thing like i remember when we first switched to the rr from the ra1 and everyone was kind of scrambling um i remember like phil from phil's tire service gave me a number of 40 to start out with which you know was higher than the numbers from the ra1 um that we came from and i remember trying it at 40 like going for 40 hot and the car just felt like it was on ice skates um And I think a lot of other people started that high. And I think that was almost like a CYA kind of number he was giving. Um, And as I came down, it got better. And then you kind of reach a point where you feel like it's not um, making that big of a difference anymore. And you kind of call that like, it's just like tuning a car, like adding ignition in, right? Like at a certain point, you're adding ignition, which is getting you closer to detonation and you're not getting any more horsepower out of it. It's the same thing coming down in tire pressure, you know, bring the tire pressure down. If you're not getting any more grip out of it, you're probably going to start to go the other way and eventually find that you've sloped over and you're going to start eating up the sidewalls, going over the arrows, things like that. Um, So, and the other thing I'll say is, you know, not all the tires have the same carcass. Um, you know, obviously like the Hoosiers, I have, I have the numbers that we ran with those and, you know, they'll, they'll put up with a lot more cause they have a, a, what I would consider a true racing carcass. And then you get like what I ran in world challenge and those Pirellis and, you know, you're launching the car in the teens of PSI and like people are, um, losing the bead on their tires if you're not careful because the tire pressure is so low. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it really, I always like to start on the higher end and just bleed it down, you know, have someone in pit lane, bleed it down. Um, and then kind of find the point at which you're not really feeling a difference anymore. And by, by that, I don't necessarily just mean you, but like the lap timer, you know, you got to get a, to me, a, you know, I, I probably look out the windshield as much as I just do at my dash at the lap timer feeling differences, especially in practice sessions of, you know, if I broke at the exact same point, I came in with a very similar entry speed and the, and the lap timer was kind of stable coming in and I'm coming into a corner and I feel like the the corner felt about the same, which is normal. You're staring at the lap timer going, Hey, I need you to give me the real answer here down to the hundredth of a second, which your butt is never going to feel. And then you start to tune things like tire pressures, maybe, um, the way that you attack the corner. Like, did you trail break it more or less? Um, did you get on the gas earlier or later? What did the tire allow you to do if you ended up changing the tire pressure? And then you try that a few times. And then you got to come in and verify that your tire pressure is where you think it is as well in the end. So, you know, it's, it's definitely, definitely an iterative process. Um, I'm always amazed when I find fellow racers are like, Oh yeah, I don't have a lap timer. It's like, how the hell are you doing this? You know, like, how are you judging when the car goes faster? Even simple things like where do you set your tire pressures? Yeah. Like, how do you have any idea or are you just copying what the guy next to you is doing and hoping that it's good enough? I mean, the, the golden era Honda specifically in our class, were very blessed that we're open enough to get people close. Right. Um, but everybody's different because 
a hundred, 200 pound spring rate change or difference between two cars is going to over time is going to play an effect on your air pressures. So, um, I think that people need to be cognizant of that. They can get you in the ballpark, but you still have to do the work. And speaking of doing the work, yeah. um, this is an arduous process. It I've seen you and, and Darren do it at on race weekends. You guys don't look like you're having a lot of fun. I would, no. <laughs> I would, <laughs> like I pull, I'm pulling in and I'm like, man, I don't want to be those guys. Cause like you guys are still in your helmets. You're running around, you know, taking pressures, doing, taking temperatures. It's wild. I, I couldn't do that. I'm, I was thankful to have help, but if you have to do it yourself, one thing I personally would recommend is going to like an open lapping day where the track is just green most of the day and you can sort of do three, four laps, come in, check it yourself, um, and then go back out, bleed, bleed off air if you want, keep going, you know, so you can do that work down, uh, test to see where things are, but you're right. You, you cannot do this without a lap timer. So I know most open tracking days don't, uh, they don't have the wire live, right? So you can't look at race hero and go, Oh, you know, I came in on this lap because that lap is really long and my lap times were better after that. That's not going to work on a test day. And that's really the days you really need to work on this kind of stuff. Right. And I mean, to be honest, like the lap timer is just even like, I mean, you talk to true data guys and that's even getting a little crude. Um, really like looking at the data after a session, kind of remembering a lap number. I go on the radio and I'll say like, Hey, put a star next to lap six. And that's the one that I think I did this turn well. And then, you know, we'll make a change and I'll go again until I get that that same sensation through a turn and I see something on the lap timer, we'll mark that and then we'll open the file and, you know, truly compare the two. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, you can go insane with this stuff. I mean, obviously at the pro level, they, those guys are paying tire engineers to come right. out. And even that's a bit of an artistic, um, how do I say this? It's black like, magic. It's not an exact science. Yeah. It's a, yeah, sure. It's black magic that not even the same tire, engineers are going to give you the same answer, um, time to time. And then they obviously disagree among one another. And it's, I would still say that to this day, no one truly understands how any tire really works or else we wouldn't have guys like that at every event. And our numbers wouldn't be so scattered and we all are still doing well. I think everything's a compromise and, you know, it just, it's good enough for a lot of us. And then some of us can find a little hint of extra time here and there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a constantly evolving art and obviously like the, the day changes things. And as the day evolves throughout the, the temperatures and the sun angles and things like that, you're chasing it. I, I, I say that all the time, like, Oh yeah, we came in tire pressures were a little low, leave them because now the sun is out and we're starting fresh. Let's just go there. And at least we know what it was. And then we'll, we'll see what it is since the temp has probably gone up 10 degrees and the, the track temp has gone up. I've seen people out there with pointing the pyrometer straight at the ground in pit lane just to get a track temp. Um, yeah, it's there, there's so many variables 
and it, it's constantly changing. It's, but you know, the more you are aware of what affects the tires and know kind of back of the napkin numbers, whether it's, you know, adjusting your camber, adjusting your toe or adjusting tire pressures, um, it's going to make you make the right decision, know your margins of safety and be willing to make a change, maybe going into a qualifying session and knowing that you're, you're not making as drastic of a change as maybe someone else would think you are and making something that actually makes the car faster. I feel like that's really what separates a lot of things and people in our sport is that more than car setup and driving ability and things like that. Yeah. People need to definitely be cognizant of the weather. And I think another thing they need to be cognizant of is their level of aggression. So, um, if you're in a, I don't know, say your qualifying times, you went out and qualifying and everything was pretty clean. Nobody to, to lap, you know, um, you got good air, you threw down your flyers and you took your temperatures and then say you take them after your race. Cause some people like the NASA speed news articles, they recommend you take them all the time, take your temps and take your pressures all the time. Well, if you're, you're in a race and your level of aggression is much higher, let's say you, Jonathan Baker, get lap traffic almost immediately in a Honda Challenge race. So you've got guys in front of you, maybe guys behind you. You got lap traffic coming and you're, you're having to be much more aggressive. That's going to play on things. That's going to heat things up faster. Now, we all do tire management to some level. We drive front wheel drive cars. Um, but when you come in, you have to realize the numbers from qualifying versus the numbers from that race. If you really had to crank it and you were really pushing hard, weaving through traffic, doing lots of defensive driving, maybe that has to play on, on things too. I would think I wouldn't know cause I, I mean, don't race people very my, hard. My, so. my counter to that is, it's only, it's only going to be different the first time you do it. And then after that, I mean, going into a race session, I'll just throw that out there. I, I, I don't set the car up anywhere near for, especially tire pressures. That's probably the biggest jump is, you know, a, you know, that the session is longer, there's going to be no cool down laps, or if they are, you can't count on them, you know, like in qualifying, I can do two laps, go, yep. Tires are hot. And then tell the crew guy, find me a gap about 20 seconds back and I can cool the tires down and get it back into that range that I set it for to, to get a, a lap on the first two and then cool the tires down and get right, right back. And you'll feel it, you know, like, oh yeah, it's starting to slip and then you cool it down and then up oh, it's back and I'll know it. Whereas in a race, you, you have to go into it knowing that you're going to be defending or passing lapped cars or maybe trying to attack someone because you had a shitty start or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, I, I move them pretty, pretty substantially between a qualifying session and a race. And then a practice is kind of somewhere in between, you know, a 20 minute practice, you're, 
going to be emotional and maybe wanting to chase after somebody or stay ahead of somebody. And then if it starts to get a little hot, you can always back out of it and not destroy the tires. And I normally run trash in the practice sessions, whereas in a race, I'm going to run probably like the best stuff I brought. Maybe in qualifying, I'm doing the same and I'm trying to preserve things and keep the life in them for the next session. Um, so there's, and you know, like we talk about it all the time, like harder, older tires take a little bit longer to come in. Um, and by come in, I mean like come up to the right temp, come up to the right pressure. Whereas like fresh tires are, they, they seem to just come in a lot faster, which is great for a race. But like in qualifying, maybe it's not that big of a deal. And in practice, it kind of doesn't matter. And it might kind of hold your hand to your chest a little bit more. If people see you sliding around and in reality, it's like, oh, well, I'm still just warming up my tires. You can get your hopes up. But, um, you know, once I put the good stuff on, it's going to stop and I'm, I'm kind of masking my real lap time. I mean, there's all kinds of games you can play and you hear people talking about in the pits. Oh, yeah, so-and-so is slow in practice. I got him. And it, you know, it's funny because everyone's kind of playing their own little game. It's, it's a big chess match at a hundred and something miles an hour that, that we're doing. And, and you're playing it throughout the weekend with what you're putting on the car and no one really knows what you got. So hot take. I'm playing uh, zero games. I'm just trash all the time and I get lucky. That that's all it is for me. Also, if anyone has 225 4517 Toyos R yeah, RRs that are like 10 years old, I need to buy them cuz I need rear tires that are like bricks. So I have way too much rear traction. But we're working on that. So um, let's see. So we've talked about the tire pressures and working backwards, right? So right. let's talk about what, what is the process you are using? Cause I'm pretty sure it's the same process that was used for me. And I'm pretty sure it's the same process other folks use, uh, to measure the heat of the tires when you come off track mm. are you no let's when are you doing it do you do it in the hot pits do you do it in your regular pit um where would you do this i mean if i can i'll do it in the hot pit every time but you know i don't like the accusations of people saying that the car's getting messed with i know in some in some regional events, they'll specifically say can't touch the car after the race or can't touch the car after qualifying. And other times it's never really said, but I know the first thing people say when you get pole position and then someone's touching your car in the hot pits, um, you know, they'll make accusations and things. So, you know, in that case, I'll, I'm more inclined to go back to the trailer and do it as soon as we get out of the car there. Um, you know, have the guys just waiting there or do it in line for the scales right in front of everybody. Um, so there's no ambiguity, but you know, in general on any practice or test day, I'm going to, I have, you know, the guys, they launch the car and they're sitting at turn 10 at, at summit. And I'm telling them when I'm coming in the next lap and they're just waiting for me in a, in a box. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, timing is, is key. That article talks about it. Um, the old NASA article that, you know, being quick and consistent, those are all the, I, I've not read that article before, but 
Um, I agree with everything it's saying. Some of it is a little optimistic, but it, it's okay. I understand what the guy's getting at. Um, but yeah, you, you gotta, you gotta be on it as soon as you can. Even the time that it takes for me to unstrap, awkwardly get out of the car with a helmet and a Hans on and jump over a roll cage, I feel like is all wasted time that is moving the temperatures and the pressures more than I'm willing to do, which is why I'm willing to pay people to come out and, and help me with the car. Um, because I think that it's little things like that, that, um, make the difference, you know, paying a guy a hundred dollars a day to come out is, is more of a gain than me putting a $200 part on the car, in my opinion. Right. Um, which is why I, I always have a crew with me. Yeah. So the, to, to me, if, if you can't, if you don't have crew in, and especially if you're doing it on a practice day, you just, to me, you need to just do it consistently. So you need to park. If you're especially a practice day, come into the hot pits, park in the same pit box, um, you know, jump out, hit the same measure, the same tires in the same order, you know, say you do, maybe you're a outside middle inside measure or a middle or an inside middle outside, however you measure it in whichever corner you start on, you should do it the same way every time. Right. Inside, middle, outside. Is, is that the pro recommendation from Jonathan Baker? It's in that article too. Ironically, okay. the same, the same tip about literally keeping the tip of the pyrometer warm so that the Delta doesn't um, have to jump. So like, let's say you're, you're putting it in a 180 degree tire. Well, that's way too hot, but whatever you get the point, like in a super hot tire and then you're pulling it out into like 60 degree ambient air, it's going to start to move. Whereas if you drag it down the tire, it's going to stay relatively warm and then putting it right back in, it's not going to ha- you're not going to have to hold it as long in the tire to get it to get to the right temp because all the while, you know, you've got 12 stations you need to check. The other 11 are all cooling down and you're pissing time away waiting for that pyrometer temperature probe to stabilize and you feel comfortable that that's the number. So doing anything you can to keep it kind of around the average temperature and, and it's just easier to drag it from inside to outside um, I find helps, helps a little bit, but that's all that, you know, again, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to find these little pro tips and, and cut corners where you can so that you can get the best readings in as little of time as you can, maybe on your own, you know, or get a second person. And I mean, I have two pyrometers, you know, one person does one side, one person does the other, or you both do the entire car, but you, you start at opposite ends. Um, anything like that is helpful. And, you know, then when you go to do it on your own next time, maybe you say like, Hey, the, 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 the fourth tire that I do, I know that it's going to move X number of degrees. So I'm going to just add that to it. And then that, you know, interpolate in between. And then you've got, you know, kind of numbers all around, no matter which order you go in. Um, cause you kind of got like a cool down rate, if you will. Yeah. So you mentioned something. You said 180 okay. degrees is too hot. What? Uh, this is one of the things that I've asked tire manufacturers in the past. 
and they cannot give me a too hot number or the optimal temperature number. So what are you, what is the range you're aiming for? I wish I could remember, to be honest, that I'd have to check things. It, it, I know it varies okay. um, front to back, but so, yeah, I don't remember. So that was my, my head. that was my next question because on a front wheel drive car, the, the rear is always going to be colder. It's yep. just how it is. So, um, optimally you want to, would you bump air pressure to increase temperature in the rear? Um, it depends. Okay. I think there's going to be a lot of questions where it comes off. It depends. Yeah. Yep. Um, the other thing is I will say on both ends of a front wheel drive car. And I mean, that's mostly what I run other than the M three, which I don't know that thing just, it seems to work no matter what you do. Um, you know, the front wheel drive stuff is, is mostly what I deal with. And sometimes you try something to, you know, get the right tire, temps and it doesn't help the last the lap times there's a pro driver that helps me out a lot and he is religious about leave the pyrometer in the trailer unless you're way off and he helps me with just camber numbers tire pressure numbers and then just finessing from there based on a a few parameters and a lot of shock adjustments and things like that and driving adjustments to make bigger differences than chasing pyrometer numbers. And I know other guys that absolutely live and breathe by the pyrometer and they do pretty well too. Um, and you know, it's very hard to, to look at a car right next to me that, you know, Oh, also exactly a DC two with a JDM front end, like our cars look identical, but our, our setups could be completely different. Our spring rates could be different and we'll never know. Um, and, you know, we'll never know if any of us are either are even right or if the other guy has it better or if neither of us are right. Um, that's that's what's really tricky is, you know, I can look at Chris's car or Morgan's car or whatever and, and go like, oh, man, he's running way more camber than me and he's coming out faster. Well, is it his camber or is it his shock adjustments or is he getting on the gas earlier? You know, like there's there's a thousand things to point at. Yeah. But um. I guess what I, what I'm trying to say is like your to your question necessarily like oh I'm going to jack up the tire pressure like I will look at the tire and if you see it's starting to get hot in the middle um then yeah your tire pressure was probably too low maybe but again you need to think about what you did during that session and did you come in only doing two laps you launched the car really low pressures thinking you were going to stay out a while and then it black flagged and you ended up coming in because that affects things. Or, you know, did you run a long session and yeah, it's graining in the middle of the tire. Then yeah, you probably launched it too low and look at the tire pressures. And if they're, you know, in the low thirties, that, that probably was the, was the problem. Um, and you got to think of like looking at the data, seeing if it, if it never came up to the right G that you were expecting. Um, to me, like always looking at the data as the truth source, not only to like diagnose problems, but to to find setup tips or 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 denials of, of a certain thing not working. Um, 
is key. So like, yeah, if you, if you see that the tire temps are all over the place, if you do take your tire temps and you want to like start saying, okay, yeah, the middle is cold. So I'm going to jack up the pressure. You're not necessarily going to get to a point where you come in and they're all the same, or they all have a 10 degree offset that you're looking for. Cause you're trying to use the inside of the tire more, um, on the straightaways and then the outside on the, on the corners. I mean, it, my, my best advice is like, listen to people and then try like an average setup and then just deviate a little from there each way and just see what, what you feel from the butt of your seat, what the tire is doing when you come in each session, either with pressures or temps or both. And then what the lap timer says. Yeah. And I think another thing you need to be cognizant of is, um, if it's not written down somewhere, uh, you need to know your alignment. So, I mean, you, yeah, that's, well, I mean, say you yeah, come in and your front, your fronts, you have, you're running a zero toe car in the front and, but your inside fronts are super hot. Then you probably know that you have too much camber because you don't have any toe or you need to check and make sure you're not getting some crazy bump steer or your bushings aren't out of whack, you know, that under compression there, sure. it's creating toe. So there, the tire temperatures can't solve the problem necessarily, but it can point you into the area that is the issue. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like that's another thing that you would hopefully see visually um, especially if you like run the tires for a day, I, I always look at the tires between every session and I I'm very cognizant of the dots mm-hmm. on our Toyos. And if I start to see like, yeah, the, you know, the dots on the outside are not wearing at all. And the ones on the inside are just getting annihilated. Um, and like, Oh, there's a little bit of purple on the inside of the tire or like, God forbid you actually saw it like starting to grain. Then, I mean, you know, that you need to make a, uh, a camber adjustment, or maybe you you're doing, you have too much camber and you've got some toe and it's really just chewing up the inside. Um, you know, like, and you might get away with that in a qualifying session might be totally fine, but in a race, you're going to, you're going to just get, get your ass kicked because five laps in, you're going to have overheated both your fronts and you're just going to be understeering everywhere and not being able to turn or excel. Um, so yeah, I just described my entire racing career with this new eighth gen, <laughs> uh, your choice, my friend, <laughs> it's fine. We'll figure it out. Um, yeah, it's, I didn't get into the, to that as a tool. Um, some people have the tread depth measuring gauges that you can use and you can use them on our on the Toyos specifically, they have the, well, it's a single hole, but has two different steps to it and you can see them. And I think they're at, they're two mil a piece. If I remember correctly. Sounds, sounds about yeah. right. Yeah. So, <clears throat> uh, when you're, we can get into some of the best practices here. When you're trying to figure this alignment, tire pressure, all that stuff. I would assume you want to stick with uh, the same type of tire. You don't want to jump around from like a hand cook to a man, whatever. Cause you're just asking for no. trouble in that realm. No way. Yeah. 
Jesus. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, like I, I, we ran those Hoosiers in 20, uh, 2012, 2011, when the tsunami right. was, I remember the scramble to find alignment numbers based on the SCCA yeah, guys, like the STL cars. And I still have like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that was a thing back then, but anyway, I, I, I still have my alignment from that year. And I remember I was moving at like a 10th or two per event. And I mean, the camber numbers are nowhere near what we run with the Toyo. Um, but like, yeah, if you're switching tires, I mean, you're really asking for trouble. I mean, it, it ended up, I'll just say it. It was, it was a full degree of difference on the front, yeah. which is not something that you're going to adjust at least on a double wishbone car at the track without getting a bunch of tools out and having to change the, the toe as well. Um, I mean, it, it's, yeah. I'd say if you find two car, two tires that are very similar, like maybe a BFG and a, a Hoosier where they're like, they're both kind of the same um, carcass and the compound is very similar, then maybe you'll get away with it. But going from like an RR or an RA1 to any kind of more traditional race tire, I feel like you're going to, you're going to be all over yeah. the place for trying to make setup changes. So um, would you say another best practice is to, after you pick a tire and stick with it, because that'll make your life easier as far as most everything. um, Do you find that it's better to take temps and um, measure your tire and do all that stuff when you have a fresh set? So you can start worrying about how it's wearing and things like that. I mean, I mean, that's the, that's the easy button, but like, if you want, you can always just start with a tire that has either even wear or just, you know, understanding the way that the wear is going. But I would say the most dangerous thing you could do is just kind of blindly put a, uh, you know, buddies use tires on and then try to make setup changes without knowing um, you know, how worn the tire was before. I mean, I'll, I'll mark them, um, you know, and obviously try to put more of the meat on the inside of the tire and, you know, keep an eye on it. But yeah, I mean, you just got to be cognizant of these things. And, the, you know, this is what you're looking at between sessions for, especially when you're starting with a new tire or new car, or you're just trying to make major adjustments, you need to kind of bound yourself and things like wear and looking at those triangles and taking tire pressures and tire temperatures just kind of begin to bound the limits of where the alignment needs to end up in the starting pressure so that you end up at something that trends toward an optimal setup. And then you, and then you get the lap timer in and, you know, that should be your lap time should be going down. The driving should be easier, you know, all of these things to trend toward a faster car. Yeah. That that's the thing every change you make you need to be trying to measure it through data. Um you, you hinted at it, you more than hinted at it before. Um I can't believe you're still on the aim stuff that you have to download and look at. But I preach the the Garmin gospel cuz I can just pull out my 
tablet and look at everything. But I mean, for someone who's by themselves, I feel like the Garmin is good. Um, but I mean, just being honest at the last race, I had a guy that was dedicated to downloading and looking at the data. I, I know that that's a luxury that not everybody has. Um, Everyone step up your race program. But it helped. You, you need more people. You need a team. That's what J- Baker's telling you. I mean, it, it, it makes d- a difference. It, 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 it really does. It really does. Um, and, and to be able, I always say, get the Garmin when you're by yourself, the Garmin is pretty decent, especially when you're trying to make adjustments or measure something fairly quickly. My biggest thing is that the aim can do so much more when you want to get into the chassis, but that's a whole different podcast that I sort of covered with Peter Krause. But, um, yeah, I just, you want to measure things. Now you have to understand that you might've made a change in your, in the, the pressures, or maybe you did an alignment adjustment, but the track temperature went up 20 degrees. It's not automatically going to, you're not going to get faster per se. So you still have to, in my opinion, you have to use your butt dyno too. Yeah, you're going to make pressure changes because of the the temperature increase, but at the same time, you're not going to be able to run the same lap time necessarily. Now, did your delta from the morning till the afternoon go down? Say you lost half a second of lap time, but everyone else around you lost a full second. Well, then you know that your change is probably doing okay. You know, so you need to be aware of your surroundings and the guys that you're racing with and gals, folks politically correct yeah i mean looking at the ambient temperature is a huge thing normally when i'm looking at lap times i'll just throw this out there's a big tip um let's say i do a practice event in june and i'm trying to compare it to an event in august um i i know that in june i should be going faster than august and i'll look at things like the ambient temperature that day um to know what the car was probably capable of And you can generally, I mean, I've been doing this for so long that I can pull up a session from a year or two ago that matches the exact ambient temperature of the day that I'm trying to, to run. And I'll pull that session up and then be able to see, you know, how is the engine doing on the straightaway? Are we doing better or worse? You know, my braking points, my speeds through the turn. And then you can say, okay, well, you know, I didn't have whatever the spring rate adjustment or the shocks were blown back then. So I know that like this isn't going to be right, but everything else is. And then you can maybe pull up a session from when everything was right. And then you've got like four different sessions open, but between everything, if you're good at looking at it, you can figure out, you know, what, what, what is the car capable of, or what should it be? You know, it should be this, at least this good in the turns and it should be this good on the straightaway. Um, and when you have somebody doing that, yeah, it can, it can look like you have a huge advantage because you're able to get told between sessions, Hey, you did this one time, you can do it every time. And you get to pick up, you know, tenths of a second from your competitors, every lap, just knowing that, that it makes that much of a difference. So in a roundabout way, you sort of also hinted on a best practice of staying organized and writing it down now. Oh yeah. The way Baker, 
is organized and writes things down is going to be different from me. You have to figure out what's going to work for you. I know folks that have the old composition notebooks from, you know, our childhood schooling days and they write everything in them. Everything is in them. Every day they make a change. It's in the book, right? And they may put a sticky on race days or practice days or whatever. And then they have to flip through the book to find some day that was similar to this day to try to help them figure out things. But they have it written down somewhere. It's organized in a way that works for them. Some people spreadsheet things, some people notebook things. It's it's all very personal. So I it you but yeah. if you don't write it down, you have to be like a savant to remember all this stuff, right? It's not it's not gonna happen to you <laughs> for like, real. I feel like I, I feel like I'm pretty smart and I have a pretty good memory. But you do this so much and you change so many things Correct. that you can't remember, um, you know, what day you did something. And then you've got the, the, the data from the aim and then like, oh, wow, I was slower. Wait, did I make that shock adjustment the day right. prior or was it the session after this one? And it just ha- and like it and then it went the wrong way. You've got to have some sort of log. um or entry system. And I mean, yeah, doing it in Excel. Yeah, that's cute. I mean, that, that once you get home, that's, that's the easiest, but at the track, you're really going to like have Excel running the whole time. I mean, you have your aim. So you have your aim stuff up all the time. I do. I'm just saying I do, but I, the the same thing that Um, this is, this is my anti aim thing, which I'm not really anti aim because I really want it in my car. And then to do things like put shock measurements and shock travel sensors on and stuff like that. But you, you're complaining about having a spreadsheet up, but you will also download into a third party. Well, it's not a third party system, but another system and then analyze it that way. Right. Everybody's different. So yeah. ever like you, you'll never know. Maybe somebody's down with the spreadsheet life. I do spreadsheets every day. I don't spreadsheet yeah, for at the track. So. Yeah. I mean the way that I, I forget what book it was, but um, one of the books I read, you know, the like, I forget who makes them like the um, anyway, the, the little kind of novels. I remember one thing that always stuck with me is calculating how much it costs each time you press that starter button. And that really resonated with me, you know, how much money I spend it. And I get it. I spend probably more than most. It's fine. Um, but how much I, I spend each time I press that starter button and what are you getting out of it? You know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I'm, if, especially like last season, I was probably four figures per time I pressed that button, but I made the most of it. And I was super efficient with it this year. I've done more practice events and it's probably going down, but nonetheless, if someone says each time you press that button, it's let's say it's as low as like $300, which I I think is probably very low. What are you getting out of it? You know, like, are you really just going out there and just turning laps and, and having fun? Is that what life is, is giving you is that you just want to go out there and turn laps or are you testing something? Or are you at least looking at the data afterwards and 
saying, okay, hey, this time I'm going to break 50 feet later and see if I can hang it in there and, and make it work. Like you need to have some sort of outcome and result from all of this money that you're spending, whether you're enjoying it or not. I mean, I love driving my car. I love looking at my car. I love watching videos of it going around, but I'm not willing to pay what I pay to drive it just to look at pictures and, and go out there and have yeah. fun. I could do it a lot cheaper at a karting track or something like that. You've oh. got to make the most of the data. Maybe, maybe an arrive and drive karting track, but not your own cart. Don't, don't go down that rabbit hole, Baker. Sure. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, you, you can, can get deep. Waste a yeah. lot of money in carting. But you get what I'm saying? Like, it can't just be, oh, I go to the track to drink and have fun. And I'm going to put this awesome aim in my car, which a lot of people buy the solos. I'm an aim dealer. I know a lot of people have them. I don't see a whole lot of laptops open. I don't see anyone bringing a coworker to look at data. Yeah. Like, I mean... It does. It does help. Maybe we're maybe we're transitioning. I'm looking at the you know the the title of this podcast is tire temps and air pressures, and all I keep talking about is things other than that. Well, but, no, we, um, when you make those pressure adjustments or you make an alignment change, you have to validate it, and that's what the data does for you. Yep. And you just for happen me. to have some, yep. and maybe I'm well, different. You know. Well, I mean. Some people, to my myself included, I, sometimes I want to make the change just to know I can get ahead of the next person in front of me. You know, the the lap time be, you know, be damned. Um, and then there's other times where I'm like, I need I need the tenths, I need the half second, I need the whatever, and I'm searching for it, and it's really the lap time focus. But whatever is motivating you, it has to have a measurement. And if you're making a change, especially when it comes to tires, you need to know what what's going on. You need to know that it what made a difference. I, I'll give you a prime example. You said you said three hundred dollars every time you turn the car on. Okay, in my old car, in fifteen inch wheels, maybe maybe 300 assuming i didn't break anything but i can now take a brand new set of toyo rrs 235s if i get them preheat cycled and i can go to summit point and i can burn them to the ground in one weekend in i can burn tires off the car yep. before they heat cycle out that's an astronomical amount of money in the grant that takes your you know your entry fee that everybody's complaining about the price going up well now it's a six hundred dollar tire bill just for fronts on my car <coughs> yep so if i can burn a set down in one weekend yeah, there's no way i'm turning on the car for three hundred dollars you know so in in this is sort of why I wanted to have this podcast is because one, it was asked for, I, I had a bunch of people ask, how am I setting my tire pressures? How do I know what tire pressure to run? That kind of thing. 
Um, but also you, this will save you money and heartache. If you can dial in your pressures and dial in your alignment and get the car where it needs to be by doing these techniques, validating it with data, you won't be like me spending $600 on front tires every time he goes to the racetrack, you know? Right. No, no, you're a hundred percent right. I mean, I've seen guys take brand new tires and they're, you know, cause they're, they're just getting desperate and they're thinking that that's why they're getting beat. And, um, you know, before you know it, they're, they've corded them on one end and the other end looks amazing. And you're like, yeah, you just trashed whatever $500 in tires on, on, you know, our size. And, you know, if you would have just asked me, Hey, it is five degrees of front camber going to work. I could have told you it wasn't. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're right getting, and that's the other thing I guess we should bring up is like on the M3, for instance, I, I don't care about the tenths as much. I'm more concerned about the halves and the full seconds. And that was a shared car for a while. Um, and I was much more concerned with longevity and getting the most out of the tires. So I, I reduced the camber. I kind of dummied out the toe a little bit so that I could just get some, some good performance out of them. But yeah, it would lean on the side a little bit more and maybe not give me the corner and grip that I wanted, but I was getting almost double the amount of time out of the tire by just moving it, you know, three or four tenths of a degree on the camber and not optimizing it for the best lap time, but just taking the, you know, I'm always going to wear the tires pretty evenly and I don't have to flip them on the rim every event because that wasn't really the goal of the, of the, of the car. So, I mean, if you're in DE and you're running kind of a, a racer's camber number, you may just kind of be shooting yourself in the foot and making life a lot harder if you're, you know, four or five seconds off pace and you're doing the camber numbers of the guys that are fighting for tents. Maybe you should just even out the camber and focus on driving a little bit better and stop worrying about flipping your tires between every event and doing all this other stuff and just kind of go with more even keeled numbers. Um, that's what I would do. And then once you get to the point where you're, you know, running the back of the pack numbers and you want to be curious, yeah, start to dial it up and see if adding toe in the back and adding a little bit more camber in the front and the back gets you a little bit more cornering force. And that starts to put you into the realm of the racers. But until you're at that point, you're kind of just spending money and you could artificially just say, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not. I'm not putting the car at the ultimate setup, but I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting the most out of the tires, which is worth it for me, even as a, an instructor out there with one of the faster cars. So I feel like it'd be good for a lot of the the guys doing DE as well. Yeah. Uh, now that you mentioned the different levels of, of stuff, this air pressure, tire temp technique and practice and writing all that down if you time trial guys aren't doing it because they want the optimal, they want every little 10th and they want to find the next one. If you're not doing that, you're, you're not competing because I don't believe TT is racing. So they're competing though. And you're not being competitive. If you are not worried about your pressures, 
logging all your pressures, logging your temps, taking your temps. If you're not doing it, you're not competing because they're, they want every little tenth. So, yeah. I mean, that seems easy for them too. Cause even for them, they could come in, make measurements and go back out in the same session. Yeah, Assuming it's slightly long enough. We, we don't have, we don't have that. Yeah. We don't have that luxury in a race, but you guys in the comp, you know, the timed sessions can come in, make a, a tire pressure adjustment or some other, you know, a splitter adjustment, a wing adjustment, whatever, and go back out. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's tough, right? That like the cars, even our cars, we have aero, we have shocks, we have tire pressures, we have alignment settings that, you know, you get the car to understeer. Oh man, what do I adjust? I've got, you know, 12 different choices yeah. of which way to go. But, but, you know, that's where just like, even if I make a, and, and I rarely do it, but you know, a mid session adjustment to a wing or something like that, or a shock adjustment, um, I'll write it on, on the sheet and say, you know, Hey, came in after X laps. And then when I'm looking at the data, you know, five weeks later, and I'm trying to remember which freaking session I, I made that shock adjustment that I love so much, you can find, you know, Hey, it was this session we launched at this time. And then look in the data, find that time and then find yourself. Oh yeah. Here, here's that one where the session got cut in half because I came in and, and the aim turned off and then it turned back on. Um, oh yeah. Okay. So that makes sense. And then in the same, you know, temperature window in the same session, yeah, I can see it right here. Like, yeah, it loved it in the carousel and it hated it in 10, but overall it was faster and we've just stuck with it or whatever. Like, you know, it's taking notes and stuff like that. I mean, even if you're diehard like me and, and you, you, you do your best at remembering everything, you're going to forget over time. We've all got family stuff. We've all got work. Um, and you got to have that stuff written down somewhere so that you can look back. Even if you are 99% sure, sometimes it's great to look and be like, yup, verified. Like I wrote it down here. Now I'm a hundred percent sure this is how this went. And this is the adjustment we need to make. Yeah. One, one last, maybe last, uh, tip, best practice. Um, and it was mentioned by Dylan. Um, I, I can't remember it was on his podcast on, that he had with me or not. Maybe it was on a different podcast, but he definitely mentioned how many tires he brings to the track, which is astronomical. I could never afford that many tires at one time, maybe, but he, I think he brings, did he say 16 tires? No, I think he brings 10, he brings 14, 10 RRs total. And then a set of RA1s. And I'm like, holy smokes. I burn my tires down too fast to have that many tires. But he's like, I always keep them in the shade. And then talking with Edgar at Summit Point last event, he's like, you need tire covers to keep the sun from beating down on the tire. Now, I know you shade your entire car. You you set up your easy up with the usually the trailer on one side and like the shade curtain down on the other side. So uh, I'm, I'm assuming you're aware of how much the sun can warm up one side versus the other. So you need to pay attention to that if you're in a competitive environment, because apparently it makes a big difference. So. Yep. And yeah, I mean, I, I, 
I thought you were going to say a number a lot higher that Dylan brings. Um, yeah, I'm in the same. I have a tire rack that holds 10. Obviously, there's four on the car, and I normally have some extras laying yeah, around. He- now, are they all gems? Absolutely <laughs> not. But, you know, if I'm if I'm doing a Friday test day, I'm not going to run the gems. Right. You know, you're going to run the, the, the trash from two events ago and get your get your feet back under you and start to start to try to get fast. And then once you get within about a second of, of, of your optimal, then you start to put slightly better tires on and see if you can get even closer, maybe try a couple things and see if you can even beat it. And then, uh, you know, on qualifying and race day, put on your best shit and hope that, that it works like you, like you expected. But yeah, I mean, by the time you're doing that, just what I've talked about, if, even if you're only swapping the fronts each time, you got a couple rears to, to go to for race day. Yeah. I mean, you're kind of in the same ballpark of like 10 to 14 tires you're going to need to bring. And God forbid, like, you know, I'll I'll generally bring a spare, like a third, um, RR in case, you know, one of them, you know, if for, for you guys who don't have ABS or something like that, if you flat spot one, or if you end up hitting something and it, and it tears it up, like you hit a nail and and you need to patch it, like you're probably not going to do that at the track. Um, or if like one of them just isn't performing and you're like, man, I, I really think that this tire's just like heat cycled out or something weird, throw another one tire, maybe just that corner and see if it wakes it up. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I always am astounded when I see people like Steve Brown come off the trailer with four tires on the car and you look in their trailer and there's not a damn tire in there and you're like, how, how in the hell is this going to work? Like, what, what are you going to do? Like, oh, I've got rain tires. Well, like, yeah, it's, it's Friday. What are you going to do come (laughs) Sunday when it's like time to go? You know, you've got, you've got tires that have 12 heat cycles on them and then you're, you're going to be racing them with, with 20 something heat cycles on Sunday. I mean, where do you think you're going to end up? He, he had bigger problems. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I, I appreciate everybody's budget. I, I'll, I mean, just being frank about that, he told me the number of what he spent last year. And, I, you know, I've said I, I spent more than that at, at yeah. one event. And he did an entire season and won the regional yep. championship. I, I was nowhere close to that. So, um, yeah, I mean, everyone's got different goals. And, you know, tires, as you alluded to, the price is going up. They're ludicrous. You get a heavier car like yours and you, you blow through them even yep. faster. So That's um, why you got to take care of them. Yeah, it's all, it's all what you want to do. You have to be good to them and you have to figure out the best way to use them. And that's what we were trying to tell you today. So, uh, you got any saved rounds? If you got questions, well, I, I will say, you know, I, I've alluded to that. I talk with a lot of different people about stuff. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, my name at this point, I might not be able to answer your eighth gen questions, but if you got a golden era Honda, as you always say, Khan. Um, I'm happy to entertain questions or advice, whether it be to like finesse things or to just get a a baseline start of like, hey, what what kind of camber numbers should I start with in the realm or tire pressures? Um, just reach out to me, and I'm and I'm happy to help. Yeah, I appreciate it. I know you gave me a lot of advice on the old car, and it didn't take me very long to dial in the old car, at least alignment wise. So, um, 
I would burn down tires, but they were all evenly burned down. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's all you can ask. Yeah, for it really end. is. So, um, with that, I appreciate you coming on, spending your valuable time with us. So, uh, thanks again. And, uh, we'll be in touch. Sure thing. Until next time, keep working on yourself. Keep working on the car and let's get faster.